I'd say we're a fickle society. The things that make us unique and, and special can be divisive at times. Yet these very same things can bring us together. So what unites us? In recent and local history, we have some examples. If you'd, It's been a couple years, but that was the Royals Parade, obviously. Go ahead and do the next one. There's the uh, Chiefs Celebration. Same place, just red. One more. Didn't want to forget my St. Louis friends, all right? All right, so we, we had the World Series, the Super Bowl Parade, and the, the St. Louis Stanley Cup, and we rallied together to create a commonality. We are fans of our teams, right? We identify with the victors, and, and we, the fans who may be politically, religiously, or otherwise at odds with each other, we were united. And this type of unity is important, absolutely, but it's based on something circumstantial and, and temporary and relatively superficial. There hasn't been a Royals chief or blues parade since. In fact, my office window looks out on, on this spot here where all that was, and, and this is pretty much what it looks like any other day of the week, right? It's still beautiful, but you don't see that, ah, you know? But what about something deeper? Would you go one more slide? more after that if you would there we go this is what america looked like on september 12 2001 that wasn't the victory that united us it was adversity again the same people who were politically religiously or or otherwise at odds on september 10th were united as we realized that we are all americans again this type of unity even as good as it is it's important and it's very important. But, but it was, again, temporary, right? And this was great because this one revealed compassion that we had towards those in need, right? Those, those who gave their life or lost their life and respect for our own nation and its citizens and those who served to protect it. But even this deeper, solemn sense of unity proved to be circumstantial. In recent months, this same symbol of nation that was so proudly and prominent displayed everywhere as you looked has become itself a point of contention now. Yeah. So pick your issue. Vaccines, masks, mandates, political affiliation, critical race theory, you just don't raise your hand. But even in this room, as small as we are, I suspect that there, there are varying opinions, perspectives, and, and, and even just as important levels of passion about these things. And it's not as simple as 50-50. To find just one person, even your own household, that agrees 100% with all of these things and to the level past you, it would be difficult, if not impossible, to do. But here's the good news. The church was planted 41 years ago by three denominations. And that very same uh, diversity, uh, or that have diversity in, in practice. These range from very fundamental to very liberal. And I don't mean just in social and political issues. These groups vary in interpretation of the Bible, terminology and views for roles within the church, and even the pronouns and basic wording of, of Scripture itself. But they became united as for an important purpose, to provide an opportunity for the people of this area to have a place to gather, hear God's word, pray together, worship, encourage, outreach, and fellowship just as we are commanded to do, just as we continue to do each week 41 years later. 
And if you want to hear the story of Golden Beach Community Church, I would encourage you to, to visit the website that's on there on the About Us. We'll tell you how this church was planted over 41 years ago and the history of not only the, the congregation but the buildings. It's a wonderful story. And the book of Acts gives a history that includes the establishment of the church. In fact, Acts 2.42 tells us, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, what was interesting was this is very early on. And so there were people, the apostles, who were directly associated, related, had heard the teaching first or secondhand from Jesus Christ himself. And they devoted themselves to these teachings. We still have these same teachings today, just not in person. But we have them recorded for us. But Acts for, uh, 42, if we were to continue with verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. These verses reflect on the establishment and mission of the church as well as address God's commandment to keep the Sabbath holy. Now, I know that we're taking the first few hours on a Sunday morning, and that itself does not mean we're keeping the whole day holy. So that, there's some obligation on our part as we leave here. It's a great way to start the day, a great way to start the week. But I pray that each one of us leaves here with a little more knowledge, a little more hope, and a little more faith than when we arrived. And we keep this momentum going through the week as we continue to pray to God, to read his word, and seek to glorify him in all that we do. The families that all gathered in this place 41 years ago organized their thoughts and made a commitment, a statement of faith, we'll call it. A copy of this hung in the homes of many of the congregants. In fact, the one belonging to, to Terry's parents remains on the wall in the fellowship hall today. And this statement, slightly added, hangs a reminder at the back of the sanctuary this morning. For 41 years, this has been a point of unification for those who call Golden Beach Community Church their place of worship and a central point, a central place for those who call Golden Beach Community home even part-time. And this is so important but different from the circumstantial events, the short-lived victories on the field and the temporary nature moments in time, this unification isn't just important. It's about what is important. All of God's creation is his. We belong to him, every single one of us. We have a purpose that was established by him. We have talents, skills, and abilities given to us by him. We have innate longings for a relationship with him, even if we don't realize that's what it is, or more often than not, we try to fill that God-shaped space with things that are not him or of him. I often say that just because a person doesn't believe in God doesn't mean he doesn't exist. We are his. Romans 12, four through five reminds us that for just as each of us has one body with many members or parts, and these parts do not have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. As individuals, we have common characteristics, right? We have common anatomy, similar fears and aspirations. Unfortunately, this really well-developed self-interest, right? And these are big things, and they're very universal. 
and physicians learn how the human body works and apply that knowledge to every person that they see. There may be specialists for different parts of the bodies and different conditions, but not for each specific person. And that's because God made us similar on this high, high level. Psychologists study common fears and anxieties because many of these things are similar among us. Again, these are big deal similarities, high level similarities. And now we're seeing that some of the things that unite us aren't just important. They're about important things. Keep that in mind as you listen to these words found in 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This first letter of Peter encourages Christians to maintain their hope while they're experiencing some suffering. You see, they had been facing significant hardships as a result of social and political issues. They were also facing judgment and contempt for their religious beliefs. Does this sound familiar? Friends, our troubles are not new and our troubles are not unique. I'd like to take a minute to unpack Peter's words. God says we are a chosen people, his special possession. And we reflected on this a little on Wednesday night. And that word may carry a little bit of a negative connotation. No one wants to feel possessed like a property to anyone or anything. And certainly if someone calls you possessive, that may not necessarily be a compliment. But the original Greek word, which means to preserve or reserve and to keep for oneself. That means that you are something that God wants to preserve. He wants to protect you and cherish you. You are something that God wants to reserve and keep for himself. You are his, and that is a good thing. Jesus' own words found in John 10, 28 through 29, tells us that no one will snatch them, that's us, out of his hand. He says, my father, who has given them, given us to him, is greater than all, everything. He says, no one can snatch us out of his father's hands. We're also told that we are adopted. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5 says, for he chose us. In him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. He chose us, adopted, he brought us in to his family. The final words of Peter's statement read this way. It says, that you may declare the praises of him Called, for, called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This tells us that we are also united in our purpose, a purpose to declare his praises, and as Jesus' great commission instructs, go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. We're united in our mission. And then he ends with this, I'm surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This unifies us under one commandment with a shared promise of hope that Jesus is with you always. Now Peter's encouragement and instructions continues. First Peter 2 starts with these words. It says, Therefore rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Let's get that junk out of our minds, out of our lives, and more importantly, out of his way. Once we do that and recognize some of the more important things that unite us, like being children of God, called to glorify him, reflect his love in this world and, and serve others by attending their needs, 
guiding everyone into a relationship with him. Once we recognize this, or rather as we recognize this because it's concurrent, we should use our individual gifts to accomplish the work he has given us to do. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 elaborates on that. And I want you to read that on your own this week. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. For now, let's take a moment and read from Scripture. And if you'd like to read along with me, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 27. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through a Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different tongues, and to still another one, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes, distributes them to each one just as he determines. So we're still in 1 Corinthians 12, and now we're at verse 12, and this, this section is titled Unity and Diversity in the Body. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And he goes on in verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not say, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of... of yeah. And if the fact that he placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, there would, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are the less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that we are unpresented are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need special, no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, that there its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Okay? And I think we're seeing that when we see those celebrations, right? If one part of this thing you belong to has victory, we celebrate that. And that's the whole purpose in the celebration behind the baptism. When someone makes a decision, we celebrate because the body has grown. The body is being restored. And he ends with this simple sentence, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. 
Just as with Peter's description of the different talents and abilities we are blessed with, the Apostle Paul uses a metaphor about the different parts making up one body. While maintaining recognition of the greater things that unite us, there is diversity within the body of believers, and this is by God's perfect design. But if we are uniquely equipped and everyone is special, then could it be suggested that none of us actually are special? And I say that's not at all true. That is certainly not the message I want to convey this morning. God treats us equal. He loves us equal, but not identical. And for you parents who get asked who's your favorite, you just say that. I love you equally, just differently. We are all and we are each loved, reserved, given a purpose and also opportunity for salvation. Equal, but the purpose equal, but the equipping and the blessings and the opportunity are not identical. <coughs> Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, Paul says this. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This was our verse to remember. And I was preparing this week's message. I took time to dive deeply into these verses. And I read other references throughout Scripture, both the New and the Old Testament, that affirm and expand on the meanings of one body and the meaning of one spirit and one hope and one Lord and one faith and one baptism and, and certainly one God. And I'm not going to dig into that this morning. I believe it's its, its own study. But one thing that this collection of, of supporting verses revealed to us is the Bible, this, this book that actually contains 66 individual books written by multiple people in multiple languages over hundreds of years. They speak to each other. They speak to each other. You can read it as a collection of, of individual stories with individual and unique characters, but there's this, there are some overarching ideas to this, like the idea of God's love and God's hope for us and, and, our, and, and his covenant promise that is echoed throughout history and throughout scripture, through all 66 books. There's instructions and encouragement and, and even warnings that carry across the entire book and themes. And, and the study of, is called systematic theology, and it's one of several ways to view God's word. But as you spend time reading the Bible on your own, I wanted to challenge you to consider this thematic perspective. Begin with a prayer, of course. We should always start with a word of prayer. And then ask yourself as you read, what does this passage, what am I reading today, what does it reveal about God's character? Not only is what's in it for me, hopefully he'll reveal that too, but what does this reveal about God's character? What does this tell me about his promises, his purpose, his commandments? Everything through the New Testament to the very end of the book tells us about God's love for man, his desire to have a relationship, his patience, and his firm, you know, need to discipline us from time to time. We'll dive into that coming up too as, as, the, as we learned about the, the Israelites during their exodus. You know, we always look at the, the 40 years they wandered in the desert. And, and the, that wasn't the end of their trials, right? They were, they were exiled and they were held captives in, in Babel. And, and a lot of things happened to that, the nation of Israel. How can that happen? And God's keeping his covenant to his people. And what, 
We have an answer for that. And it applies today because we're saying, God, how can you love us and say you're not going to destroy the world again? And we have pandemics. How can you say you love us and we have cancer? How can you say you love us and, and these things happen? It's okay to ask this question and hold it up to his word and say, show me how you're keeping your promise in this. And he does. I promise you. The other intent I had when I began organizing my thoughts a few weeks ago on this message is I wanted to see what unites us as humans, right? As what most of, it, of what I've shared this morning kind of accomplished, right? We have some differences, but there's some really important things that we have in common. That's who created us and why and what our purpose is in this world. But we need to remember that, that our gatherings as a body of believers has great power and should yield greater influence on the lives, not only of ourselves, but those around us. And like I shared in the message titled Ground Zero, all of that starts right here. You know, there's the sign that says you're, you're entering the mission field as you either walk out the door or as you, you drive off the parking lot. But what about right where you're at now? You know, I spoke about it earlier, this, just even in the service, how, how our spouses compliment us, our friends, our family, our neighbors compliment us and they complete us. And, and as I'm a little bit out of sorts without my big cheerleader here in the front row who, who helps me out and kind of keeps me so encouraged, you know, um, you know, it, that's, it starts, that's a mission, that's a missionary, that's a, that is a, a ministry. But I want to take just a few minutes of time to talk about unity within the body of believers. And the same thing that divide us outside these walls, and I don't just mean Golden Beach Community Church, but I mean outside of the church walls, has the same ability to create problems within them. In the Apostle Paul's second letter to the believers in Ephesus, we find him addressing the division between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, Paul, in this period of life, was tag-teaming ministry by focusing a lot of his efforts towards the Gentiles. And his, his partner in this, Peter, was addressing the Jews, and they worked together kind of in, in tandem and in different ways. But God has sent his son as a atoning sacrifice for everyone, right? So that they are united. We are united in the most important way. But let's read Paul's words, starting at verse 13. It says, But now... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And he's not just talking about far away from God. He's saying far away from each other. He says, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now let's just pause here and pick your, pick your rub with any issue. Same God over both of us, right? He's called us to peace He's called us to, to end hostility, and that was accomplished through the cross because he came for all of us. Consequently, picking up at verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him... You two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now remember what we read earlier. One body, 
one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all. But we are fallible. All of us have fallen short of God's design and hope for our, for our lives. But we repent and we ask for forgiveness and we continue our efforts with the encouragement and love of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Satan would love little more than, than a knock or even nudge you off this path. But we need to stay focused on God. Learn from the teachings and examples of Jesus Christ and look at others through God's eyes and recognize the important things that unite us and offer grace towards others. So we need to protect ourselves from divisiveness over the things that are of less importance. And I hope I'm not talking to anybody in this room. I'm just talking because I, this message needs to be heard, that we are one in the spirit, right? And they will know we are Christians by this love. We are united. So let's be united in our mission here. And then we can claim the hope that came as a result of Peter and Paul's efforts. In fact, it ends with Acts 9.31. It says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, so these three diverse areas, he said, enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord. This is the respect of the Lord. And encouraged by the Holy Spirit, increased in numbers. Can you imagine what a different place this world would be if we could focus on the things that are important and help everybody realize what those things are? There are differences and there are big deal differences and it takes an enormous amount of grace sometimes, doesn't it? But God sent his son to save us all. And may he do that. Let's make that our prayer this morning. Let's pray. Father God, there are so many things that, that make us different. Our, our race, our, our education, our our height, our hair color, everything. This, and none of this stuff is, is, is important in the grand scheme of things. And Lord, there have been times when we've seen a diverse group of people rally in victory. We've seen them rally in adversity. Lord, we know you've used times like that to bring us together. And we pray against the hurricanes. We pray against these things, Lord, but we also see how you work them for your good and unite people behind others. Lord, let us take this, not out of your control and try to put it in ours, but let us carry some of that load and responsibility as Christians, as, as followers of, of your son, that we're going to be that way all the time. We're not going to wait for a victory to celebrate the victory of a person giving their life to you. We're not going to wait for an adversity, uh, a major catastrophe to, to see our friend and neighbor in need and offer them a hand or a word of prayer. Lord, that change begins here, ground zero. May the efforts of this church and everyone in it, whether it's Golden Beach or anyone listening or online or anywhere else in the world, may we as your children do our best to unite this family. In your son's name we pray, amen.